Hi, this is Chad. I'm so glad to be part of your journey towards product mastery so that we can do a better job creating products that our customers love. That's what Product Master is actually about. Today, we are talking about building a community for a brand or a product, which reminds me that this episode is sponsored by the Product Mastery Now community. That's right. We have a community for listeners of this podcast. Do you want to meet the podcast guests and be able to ask them questions? Well, we can make that happen because you're invited to the live recordings of the podcast And those are actually done three months ahead of time before they're published to the public. And also, maybe you might want some additional expert sessions. Well, that's in the community as well. And what about being able to search all the past episodes, which is over 400 right now? We make that possible. We also have a mastermind for peer learning and building your professional network and other resources as well. If you want to find out if the community might be a good resource for you to add to your product career, simply go to productmasterynow.com slash community. So the purpose of communities, what can the community do for a brand or a product? Well, it can provide growth. It can help clarify the message that resonates with your ideal customers, and it can provide co-creation opportunities. We've actually had some past guests talk about the value of their community. Lego was one, and also Wise Consumer Electronics. I've also been enamored with Starbucks when they had their idea community up for suggesting new product suggestions, right, to them. So lots of good value in having aspects of a community along with your product or brand. To help us explore what is involved in creating a community, Bree Lieber is with us. She is a community strategist that designs and implements communities for brands. She's also the person who helped me create the Product Mastery Now community, so it's great to get back and reconnected. And she shared so many valuable insights with me in that process of building that together. And we're going to find her, if you want to get more insights directly from her, at Ember Consulting, which she founded to help companies build meaningful communities. Her and her colleagues also post dissections of public communities on YouTube, and you'll find those on her Bree Lever channel. And they're kind of fun to watch. I enjoy hearing about what's right and wrong in some of these public communities. Also, if you want a written description of anything that we talk about, we take good notes for you along the way. We also prepare a one-page action guide to help you immediately put into action some key takeaways. You'll find those resources at productmasterynow.com slash 436. Bree, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here. This is quite an honor. So at the time we're recording this, I'm here in Colorado, and there's supposed to be the mother of all snowstorms going through kind of the middle part of the U.S. And you're just, you know, living life in some place that's like 72 degrees all the time. <laughs> how, how are things in Hawaii? Hawaii is lovely this time of year. We have whale season right now. So it's been, it's so, the water is just so, it feels quite lonely when the whales leave. You don't have like that chorus in the background. <laughs> but I will say we've had rain for like most of February and I just moved to the dry side, but we're still getting, getting hammered with rain this week. So we're not, it's not quite all that it's, you know, the mirage of sun and dolphins okay. and. <laughs> whales and beach <laughs> it's it's not terrible though so you, you will not be shoveling <laughs> snow tomorrow which i will be doing that's true okay that's true. <laughs> let, let, let's dive into communities here why should people you know so we're talking to an audience of product people and, and professionals involved in product sort of work why should we care about communities if we're, we haven't been involved in one before around our brand or our product to give us some reasons about this mattering to us yeah man well one, one way that I like to frame community work is 
a product, a product driven perspective asks, what's a problem that our customer or user or member has, and how can we create a product that can help solve that problem for them? And, you know, the community led approach is what's a problem that this, this person or our target customer has, and how can we foster a space where that customer can start to solve that problem with other people who are solving a similar problem. Mm. So when you're coming from a product perspective, um, the, the problem with the product perspective is once you've solved the problem, you kind of lose insight into how that problem continues to evolve for the customer. So what's amazing about the community-led approach is when you have now created and kind of own the space where that conversation about that problem is happening, you can stay extremely attuned to the problem that you're trying to solve. Whether you have a product also that helps solve that problem or just foster the community space, that's why I think product and community work so well together because a community gives you the landscape to not just test new ways to solve that problem, but it also keeps you very attuned to how that problem evolves for your target customer. So that's like on the, on the product side, I was kind of thinking about this. I, I work with communities that are cross-departmental and they'll, I actually come from more of like a, a kind of marketing driven community background. So I'm not as immersed in the product world, but that's definitely just as I was thinking about this podcast, I was like, that's probably one of the core reasons why I think someone involved on the product side would be highly interested in a community-led approach to pair with their product strategy. Yeah, which raises that there are different kinds of communities, obviously, right? So when we talk to the VP of product at Wise Electronics, they rely on their community really for their next ideas, right? It's like a community of lead users that are that they're doing all kinds of amazing things for them. They're doing beta testing of I guess officially alpha testing because I kind of feel like they're internal people to the organization of new products before they even go out to anyone else, right? Yeah. They're yep. doing some of their own design work on their own and providing that back to Wise, you know, some new ideas that they can try. So it's almost like having this external engineering group to help them out. It's a really powerful community that they've levered. But there's other kinds of communities as well, right? So there could be, like you said, mm-hmm customer experience sort of community where it's like, I'm having this problem with your product. Maybe there's other people there that can help me figure this out mm-hmm. as well. Your earlier experience when I looked up your bio was more driving a sales team and using a community to help grow a brand by creating a community for the, the sales team. Did I get that right? Yeah. Yep. So that was kind of where I cut my teeth in the community world was more of an ambassador community. So we activated Mm -hmm. and brought members together in a community where they sold like footwear and apparel and handbags. And I was charged with creating the community that that community, as well as the entire program and structure for, for the, the sales incentives. So yeah, I come I come from a heavy sales and marketing background, but I think over the last two years, especially, have come into contact with a lot of the different directions and kind of postures that your community can come from. And it, it really depends on the department that it's coming out of. Like you mentioned, like a customer support community might start as more of like a help forum 
product community might start as more of a, like almost like your product roadmap maybe might be more visible to, you might get input from your top customers about what they want to see next or voting on new ideas. You might have a customer success community that helps. Usually customer success communities are more focused on learning. So you have a highly technical product that needs a lot like either a course or has some sort of curriculum attached to it to help enhance their experience. That would be a customer success community. So there's really quite a few different angles you can approach it from, but a really like in my opinion, healthy community is like highly cross-functional. So it, it'll hit different objectives across different departments in your organization. Not, not just one, but usually the best place to start is to pick one and get some traction and go on from there. Okay. Yeah. So we might not want to be thinking about this just as supporting the specific product development, but how else can it aid the organization, which suggests that we should involving some other functions of the organization and thinking about it. Right. And I want to get to the thinking part here in a moment, kind of Think about, you know, how do we plan this? But to get our hands around this a little bit, for those of us that haven't been really maybe involved in a brand community, do you have a good example? Maybe one we can go look into later, even play with a little bit, but a good example of a community that you think does things well? Yeah. So this has been a really, I I used to get, I get this question a lot and I used to not have a great answer for it. So I started the community, community dissection series. So we dissect a new community every week. And I bring on a couple other community professionals to help me dissect it. And it's a lot of fun. We It's always fun to judge somebody mm-hmm. else's work, right? <laughs> like Very safely from my little home, I get to judge everybody else. No, not really. It's very playful and, and curious. But two that really stand out to me from that series are the Lego Ideas community is probably my favorite community that we have dissected. It is, it's, it is not super cross-functional. It is like very clearly a product community and it's super specific, but there are like, like, I remember looking at one of the profiles of one of their members and it was like a clearly like super highly engaged member who had designed several Lego sets that went into production. So members can like propose their CAD design of new Lego set that they want to see brought to production. People can vote on it. There's like, you'll see several like iterations of the same like design from different users. And I remember there was this one user who had like, in their profile was like, they had hit like the like Omega Ruby, like 360, like badge in the community. And it was like, they were like designer or whatever. I can't remember the ridiculous title, but it was something like ridiculous. And that they had a link to their social profile, like their, to their Instagram and it was and their Instagram touted like that status in their profile. And that to me was like when, when your, your status in an internal community, like starts becoming so important to the person that it's something that they share externally as like an identifier, that's like, that's when you know something really powerful is happening. You're like, this person is like, has self-identified on this like recognition level in our community that they are, and they're now touting themselves as that in their external profile. Like that's, it must be a really big deal. So yeah, the Lego ideas is a, is a really phenomenal community and their, their architecture of their platform is, and like the space where they fostered that those connections is really phenomenal. So would highly recommend that. And then another really awesome one. It's like, I, I, I really love it, but I also like really have some critique for it, but it's the Spotify community. They also have done a really good job from the product perspective. 
where, where my like only, not only, but one of my main critiques is, is they have not, I have not seen them be able to foster micro communities for their artists. They have focused their community efforts more on their actual product, the Spotify app. And they have not, they have not really done a good job of creating a bridge to create these micro communities to actually support their artists. But their actual like product community is really robust and, and amazing. But I think there's like more, even more that they could be doing. So that's the short and quick of (laughs) those two episodes. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Well, the Spotify is a good example of maybe having a community where you're missing out on leveraging it for some other things that would be important to the organization as well. Yeah. The Lego one is so focused on, you know, creating new capabilities around Lego. And a fun backstory is I had contacted Lego a few years ago. I don't even remember when this interview was now. Um, to I, I wanted to find out more about their innovation process. And they actually pointed me to an external person who was a volunteer community manager for Lego, for, for Lego Ideas. And we were talking specifically at the time about their robotic product. Okay. They've changed the names, I think, but it was the EV3 Mindstorm product. And I just thought, first of that, that was interesting that like, hey, I want to talk to Lego about how, how you guys innovate. They said, well, I, we think you should go talk to this person that runs the, the community for, for that, to that product line. And I'm like, okay, that's interesting. And we had a really good interview about the nature of how the community helps in developing the, and refining the product. And that it was actually a community-driven activity that the Mindstorm EV3 even came into existence. Wow. Right. And they have a lot of products like that that would not exist without the community have been behind it. And in part, it's, you know, you have the power of, as you talked about, you know, your brand ambassadors, right? The people that are most vocal about your product wanting to support this thing. And so the company already knows they have a, a willing market if they were actually to bring something out yes. to sell to. But I thought that was really powerful of, of what they've done with the Lego ideas. Oh, I mean, how cool, like when you create your own design and it comes into production and like you see your own, the design that you made on the shelf, like such a powerful user experience, let alone, let alone all of the feedback, like the the feedback, honestly, like the gold of the community world for the product world is feedback loops, (laughs) just like give you feedback loops Mm -hmm. on steroids. And that's what community can do. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Okay, give us some practical tips for um, making a community happen, right? What are kind of the big steps we need to go through in thinking about this? Yeah, it's a great question. So honestly, my best tip to get started, regardless of where you're at in the community building journey, is to get on the phone with your top customers. I don't care who you are, how big and important you think you are. I think that good community building starts there because you really have to, you have to understand like what it is that your community members and customers are looking for and who are the types of people that they're looking to connect with specifically around the problem or solution that you're providing through your product or organization. So when I work with clients, you know, one of the ways that we do that individual interviews, just get on the phone with 30 people. I'm telling you, if you go, if you really want to challenge yourself, I just feel like hundred is like a really magical and robust number. So if you really want to challenge yourself, get on the phone with a hundred customers and see what happens. I promise you, like you will have a community strategy born out of those simply out of those conversations. 
a slightly more scalable approach is hosting more of like a focus group with some of your top customers. I know Chad, when we first were launching your community, this was something that we that we did was I was actually sick for our focus group, but you facilitated the the focus group for your members I, and I we carried people- on without you. <laughs> <laughs> We, you had people literally, oh my gosh, who was your one member who was, he was up at like 2 a.m. in like Eastern Europe. It was 2 a.m. Yeah. It was crazy. I was like, gosh, these yeah. people are so committed and they love what you're doing that they're literally willing to get up in the middle of the night in order to be a part of co-creating. Like they, they want to be a part of this from the very beginning. Like how, ins- one, inspiring for you and affirming of like, the work that you're doing, but two, like anybody who's willing to commit that kind of time and energy, like I want them to be a part of building what this community is going to be a part of. I want to hear what they want to, to see have happen in this community. Good. Okay. So that's a good place to start. And I was very impressed too with that, that individual who I won't embarrass by calling out, but because he got up and dressed for this too, he, <laughs> he was in his dress white shirt and said, okay, I slept for a couple hours. I, I get, got up for this and then I'm going to go back and bed, sleep for a couple hours and then I go to work. Like, wow, that's, thank you so much for offering your time to help me think about this community. So getting those insights that speaks to what product people are all about, right? Trying to understand our customers and what they need and their unmet needs and who they might like to talk to, who they might like to be connected to because of the nature of the community. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's a key question when, when I'm thinking about joining some community and so I've been part of entrepreneur communities before. I'm involved in one now that's loosely looking at how do you just make your interactions with people better and that sort of thing. That's always a question on my mind is like, am I, am I going to like the people that are part of this community? You know, is that the kind of people I would hang out with and have fun with or, or not? Right. So I like that you brought that question up. You know, who, who do you want to be connected to as part of this community as well? Mm. So that's a good place to start. What else should we be doing? Yeah. So this doesn't work for every community, but I think when it, when you can do it, it's incredibly powerful. And that is considering, could your community become a landscape where you are connecting experts to essentially um, like people who are, who are trying to learn something. (laughs) So this is rather than the, the kind of brand approach would be we as the brand are the expert. We are going to put out content. We are going to teach people. We are going to like be the kind of production engine on content. And then when you kind of put the community angle on that, it's like, but rather than just speaking to an audience, we want to foster a community that's like consuming this content. That's kind of like what people think up front. An actually community-led approach is rather than this one individual or this brand or the organization being the production machine behind content, how does this community actually become a landscape for people to collaborate on content and create content together? And so a really great, really practical way to do that is by becoming the the gathering place where experts and let's just call them like lay people, normal people, the average Joe and Jane, the gathering place where they're able to meet. So one of the like first mistakes that you usually see happening in community, and this is because we've been so conditioned by social media and by 
marketing to just produce, 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 produce content. That's how you drive value and drive awareness is just to create more content. And the community-led approach is how, rather than just focusing on creating content, how are we creating a space where members can come and actively create that content with each other? And it, it's not, it makes it sound kind of nice, like, oh, great, we don't have to create content anymore. Not exactly. There's certainly, a, there's actually arguably more work because you have to be more thoughtful about how you are prompting people to participate. How are you setting up structures and incentives or events or prompts to get people talking to each other? Like it's actually a lot, it's a lot easier to just write an article than it is to, to like <laughs> maneuver and like influence people's behaviors to create something themselves. Like that actually is a lot harder work. But it becomes so much more valuable because now you just you don't just own that one piece of content. You own the landscape where that content is being produced. So that's that's another another layer to community building, something that I would consider from the very beginning and and a, and a trap that I would avoid falling into, which is you have to have a ton of content in order to have a community. Yeah, that was something I was real sensitive to was having too much content, right? Because there's lots of things that could be put into any community. And I've had this struggle as well. And, you know, joining something new, just kind of feeling overwhelmed with the options. So, and I know as you and I talked about building the Product Mastery Now community, wanting to put some boundaries around that, like, you know, provide opportunities for interaction as much as people like, but also, you know, for example, the live meetings, you know, we, we basically have one a week of in this community right now that may change, who knows. But just to have opportunities for people for interacting and learning, but also not feeling overwhelmed with the options available. Yeah, it's another it's it's a really I'd say it's an equally common misconception that like chatter is conversation a lot of times. And again, this is like I have to blame social media on all this (laughs) because we tend to equate we tend to equate chatter with activity, like more comments you see, like some of these vanity metrics that make us feel better. Like, oh, we had like 30 comments on that post, but that doesn't necessarily mean that there's good conversation happening in your community and value being driven. It, it might, and it might be fun. And, um, you know, not everything needs to be like super serious and long form in your community by any means. But I think social media has conditioned us to kind of watch out for vanity metrics to inflate our ego a little bit more than the metrics that matter when it comes to community. Okay. And think about not overwhelming people along with yes. you know, how to have that community interaction. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so far we, we've talked a little bit about the strategy, right? Where does this fit into your organization? What is the purpose of it? Is it more product driven? Is it maybe have some other aspects of community talking to customers to actually find out what they would appreciate in a community, what they're looking for and who they might be want to be connected to. And I imagine Lego, like when they did theirs, they probably had some insights like, you know, if people were had the opportunity to get their name on a Lego box that we made, that's pr- pretty compelling for a lot of, of, you know, home Lego designers, you know, putting things together with little bricks. So think about the kind of that buy-in and what creates that buy-in for them. Mm-hmm. At some point, we get to a place where we have to host this. And I know when you and I first were talking about this, we talked through different platform options you know, and I was kind of leaning one way, open to some other suggestions too. Just thoughts about looking for the technical platform for hosting such a thing? Yeah. Oh man, this is such a, a can of worms. So I'll try to keep it succinct. 
<laughs> so there's so there there's so many different people who could be listening. So I, I'm gonna try to do a good job of summarizing this. Most people think that when they hear community, they think if we've gotten past the point where we we're not we're not actually talking about social media anymore. So just to clarify, we're not talking about community being the people who are commenting on your social media posts. We're talking about a dedicated space where you are fostering not just your relationship with the customer, but we are we are fostering relationships between customers. And I believe that this is so important and so valuable that it 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 necessitates its own dedicated space. So if we're on board with that, most people will think like a community can happen. The two most common places that I come across are a Facebook group or in Slack. And to me, those are there are three pillars of community. There's events, conversation, and content. And Slack in particular really only leverages one of those well, which is conversation. And it's a great conversation platform, 100%. But if you have anything more robust in your community strategy, you are likely going to outgrow Slack pretty quickly. Facebook groups, I'm not even going to like really dive into that because that's more on like the marketing side that people tend to like dive in. And the the only thing that I'll say about that is instead of setting up your Starbucks in a inside the Target store so that you can distract people into getting coffee, let's focus on creating a beautiful boutique coffee experience where you are fostering like real connection and belonging between your members. And I believe that that can't happen in a... I believe that's really, really hard to foster in a Starbucks that's like on the side of the Target store. (laughs) I believe it's much easier to do when you have a dedicated space that's both safe and also feels, feels exclusive to that community. So that's my like little analogy for Facebook groups. Okay. So now let's, let's assume that you're like, okay, cool. Bree, you've convinced us. We, we think a community platform is a good fit. It's a good place and fit for our community. There are so many options out there. So there's a ton that are like, and basically it's like the more you pay, the more customizable you can make your community. I tend to build communities in some of the like creator community platforms. That's like kind of how I designate them. So creator, we use it for so many different things, but communities where there is Chad, your community is a perfect example. You have a podcast and you're now looking to help your audience now become a community of people. So rather than you speaking to the audience, there are now people interacting with each other. That's an example of a creator community. Another example is like maybe if someone has a course or learning material and they want to go from that kind of linear relationship with the customer to now we're going to enhance the learning experience by also providing masterminds or accountability groups or conversation spaces where you can collaborate. So in the creator community world, there's really, there's three main platforms. There's a, I have a, a fourth one that I'm watching. It's fairly new. The oldest oldest and in some ways most well-known community platform is called Mighty Networks. And I actually do not recommend it from a user experience perspective. It's incredibly difficult to navigate. It's built on old technology and I won't go into my rant there, but I have, I've done a lot more writing about it and I, the short and quick of it is I do not recommend them except for two There's like two exceptions to that, but even still, I would have a really hard time building a community in my networks. They have a phenomenal marketing team. They must like, like they must spend so much on marketing because I see them everywhere and people like talk about them constantly. They look so good, but when you actually get in there, oof, it is so confusing. I can't handle it. 
I cannot. It's just, yeah. It was like a joke. I met a community manager who had a community of many networks and we like, she was like, I was like, how, I was like, don't take offense to this, but like, how do you have engagement in your community? And she was like, oh my God, against all odds, we have engagement. <laughs> she, she was like, it's a miracle. We don't know how, but we do. <laughs> okay. I'll stop bragging on my networks. Okay. So the next one that I, the two that I tend to work the most in are Circle and Heartbeat. So Circle is where we built Chad's product mastery now community been using it for years and i think they're they're an asynchronous platform that started with more of a like more heavier emphasis in conversation but over the years they've built out a lot more functionality around their events and content and they also have courses now the kind of like newest one on the scene is heartbeat well not I guess there's like a, a newer new one onto the scene, but Heartbeat came out of the scene about a year ago and they are more of their events centric. So if you, if your community is, if, if the events pillar in your community is like the strongest, like the short and quick of it is, Heartbeat might be a better fit for you. But they also have like all, they have courses, they have conversation, they have content. So those, those two tend to like, touch all the bases that are needed. There's like pretty minor features and functionality differences, but that's within the, within what I would call the creator platform spaces. Those are some platforms that are fairly templated. Um, Like you can, you can change around the format of the spaces that you want, but tend to be really easy to get up and running, very cost-effective because you're not like completely customizing your entire community but you're able to to get what you need in order to, I, I think it's a, they're phenomenal options for launching your community because sometimes, you know, if you spend thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to launch a community that you're still testing, it's not a, not a highly, not a great like iterative approach to community. Okay. So, so that's some places to start, which is helpful. So some things that people can check out and if they wanted to get something started relatively quickly and easily and cost effectively, that that can work well. Okay. So I didn't want to go too deep into platforms, but I thought, you know, be useful to talk to. Um, mm-hmm. You hit a few mistakes along the way that people make, right? Like chatter is not conversation. So, you know, don't, don't get caught up in maybe measuring the wrong things. Any other common mistakes that we should be avoiding that you ran into? Yeah, so many that that I've made <laughs> and that I've seen other people make. So one that's pretty fundamental in the community architecture is just paying attention to basic habit formation and how you are incentivizing people. So one of the steps that I consider in community building is like, what are all of the approved actions that we could have a member make? So all the way from like, creating your introduction post, like, or your, your first ever post in the community, which tends to be an introduction post, like volunteering to lead an accountability group or an event or proposing a new idea to the community or offering to host whatever. So we kind of line up, what are all the actions that someone could take that would, that would be a win for the community and what we want to see happening here? And from there, we work backwards to say, okay, if this is the action, what is the prompt for that action? What are the supporting resources for this action? Like, how can we, do they need training? Do they need like words to say? Do they, do they know how to take this action? 
And then the third and final one is a reward, which nine times out of 10 is not a financial reward. My favorite type of reward is actually recognition and studies show that it's actually also the most powerful, even more than financial rewards. So when you, when you consider this, that, that basic habit formation, those three steps, prompt, action, reward, what can happen in community design is we kind of jump the gun and we reverse the order. So especially in ambassador programs, especially in influencer programs, this is why I literally can't handle influencer programs because they, they reverse the order of basic habit formation. They say, we're going to send you product. We're going to give you our, the incentive first. And then we're going to ask that you like post about it. Then we're going to ask that you like, like take this action. And it's just like, how does it, it doesn't work. It actually doesn't work because it literally defies like how we as humans function, like on a psychological level. So don't just go handing out free stuff in your community, hoping that that's going to inspire them to take action. It's not going to work. (laughs) We don't work that way. So if you have an action that you want people to take, set up and it again it's not like you have to you know every time they post you have to like send them a free t-shirt i'm not saying that but you know if you want them if you if you have let's say you have a free t-shirt to give away you're like hey we're taking new ideas for our next product launch like what hex color would you want to see on our thing like post about it in the comments We'll pick one of the win- one person who posts to get a free T-shirt. Like that's that's an example. Again, like I don't think you actually need to throw out a ton of slag and financial incentives, but it's just <laughs> it's when you reverse the order that stuff really starts to get messed up in the community, and you will not see the outcomes that you want. That is a excellent takeaway from uh, I mean so many good things from the conversation, but that all by itself because you see this all the time, like. Here's the thing I want you to write about, right? And here's it's, and I haven't actually thought about that. Influencer model is backwards mm-hmm. from how how things work. So, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. I know there's so many more things that we could be talking about, but for sake of listeners' time and, and what we kind of tend to expect for the length of these interviews, we do like a good innovation quote. And I asked you to share one with us, and if you can just explain what that means to you as well. Yeah, definitely. So to be honest, I wasn't quite sure. Nothing came to mind immediately. So I Googled innovation quote by Brene Brown because because I love Brene Brown and I figured she probably had something good to say about it. So I, she had a statement in one of her books, vulnerability is the birthplace of innovation, creativity, and change. And honestly, I think it's, it's hard to, you know, in the business world, we get so focused on ROI and like proving value. And I 100% believe that we should make decisions based on data, not just off of our gut feelings. And in the same breath, like what we do in community is make space for people to be vulnerable and to belong. And so if you want your product to be more innovative, if you want your company to be more innovative, I believe that one of the ways that you can, one of the best ways that you can do that is to start fostering community for your customers in, in whatever immediate need that will meet for them. Maybe it's from a product perspective, maybe it's not, maybe it's from a different department, but holding space for people's vulnerability is one of the greatest things we get to do as community managers. And I also think it is, as Brene Brown says, the birthplace of innovation. I love that you set that up by demonstrating vulnerability by saying, I didn't know what quote to use, so I Googled and, and found this. So you were being very vulnerable for sharing that. But I, I like that, that. And that's an aspect of the community that I really enjoy is the opportunity 
to just get to know people more deeply. And that comes through vulnerability as well. And then that's how we can, as product people, also uncover deeper needs that may not have been voiced previously yes. and do a better job of meeting those needs with our products. So it ties well to innovation. Thanks for sharing that with us. Yeah, for sure. So you are at Ember Consulting. You certainly help organizations set up communities and, and get people started off on a good path with that. How can people find out more about the work you're doing than the resources you have available? Yeah, so two main ways. So I'm still in the thick of my community dissections. So those are a really fun, fun way to get to see my work, how I think about community. You'll learn so much, not just from me, but from other community professionals and how we think about building communities. So that's a YouTube series right now that you can follow along. And then I also have a, a newsletter with a monthly roundup of my writings and video and audio. I love creating content about community and just sort of processing in public is how I, how I call it with my friend, Victoria, <laughs> just peeling back the layers of like making it a public activity and inviting other people into that process. I like to try to practice what I preach in that respect. So I have a monthly newsletter that kind of just is like a roundup of all of those things that are being processed in public. Excellent. And I'll make sure in the show notes, there's links to all those. But for listeners that never go to the show notes, yes, I know who you are. The main site for you is Ember Consulting. So Ember, like spark a fire, E-M-B-E-R, consulting.co. Is that correct? Yep. Okay, very good. Well, Bree, once again, thank you for sharing your insights and wisdom and experience on how communities can really help and impact products and brand and some tips for getting them started and some mistakes to avoid. No problem. Thank you for having me, Chad. This was a great, great conversation. And once again, listeners, if you want a written summary of everything we discussed, including that one-page action guide to immediately put into action some of the key takeaways, simply go to productmasterynow.com slash 436. As always, everyone, keep innovating. Thank you for listening to Product Mastery Now, where product leaders and managers gain product mastery through practical knowledge, influence, and confidence. By listening, you are becoming a product master, creating products customers love. Find additional resources at productmasterynow.com. Keep innovating.